Hello, Annie McLaughlin here for this week's edition of Stick Together, focusing on union news and social justice issues. Stick Together is produced in the studios of 3CR Radio in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network and brought to you on your local community radio station. As promised, we will bring you an extended report on the Unemployed Workers' Rally Dignity Not Debt, End Centrelink Debt Debacle, held in Melbourne 31st of January. Following that, a move towards turning the tide on privatisation. Across the country, in fact across the world, public assets, those owned by the people, have been given away to business. The closed loop of money spent on services going to the maintenance of services is now going into the pockets of local and overseas shareholders. Victoria is the only state in Australia that let their government sell its public transport system. The RTBU, the Rail Tram Bus Union, says it's time we got it back. We went to the campaign launch and bring you a report on why public transport should be public. But first, some union news. Senator Derren, I'm a friend of the workers, Hinch, has backflipped again on the ABCC laws designed to de-unionise the construction industry. Hinch is reported in the Murdoch Press saying, My view is that I listened to people and that's what I did. I contacted Malcolm Turnbull and told him we needed to look at this again. What he meant was that it was important to change the legislation to exclude construction companies with an EBA with the CFMEU from government contracts. This is a CFMEU response from the Concrete Gang on 3CR. Yes, uh, Darren Hinch, Senator Dar- Darren Hinch, has now uh, kowtowed to the Liberal government and said that he will agree to do uh, amendments to the legislation that was passed last year in relation to the ABCC and the code that arises from that legislation. And basically, all the builders, all the subbies, all those people who were told at the end of last year, yes, you signed an agreement with the CFMEU by the 2nd of December... Basically, there is an 18-month moratorium on having to be code compliant. Now, if this amendment is carried, every agreement has to be code compliant if you want to do government work. So the whole lot of people, in good faith, all thought they could just get on with life for at least 18 months, not have to worry about the new code, are now all thrown into turmoil, and our members equally are thrown into turmoil because... How are we going to get out of these EBAs? Well, you do it by agreement or you apply to the Fair Work Commission to have the agreement terminated. You don't think there ain't going to be a few people saying we don't give a stuff about employees, we just want the government work and apply for termination. Eh? Good on you, Darren. And just on a personal level, mate of mine just happened to be in the South Yarra post office this week and he ran into Darren. Yeah. Yep, but the old boy, he's not silly. Senator Hinch, he said, and I quote, thanks for helping building workers. You did us no favours. Rolling over like that for Turnbull. Have a nice day. <laughs> Apparently, Darren went off his head 
and said, you're attacking me. It's all Malcolm Turnbull's fault. No, Darren, you have to vote for it. So it ain't his fault till you actually say back to buddy Mr. Turnbull, get stuffed, I'm not going to vote for your amendment. So, Darren, you can blame who you like. You are as weak as. And all those people right across this industry in Victoria who have acted on the basis of your amendments to the government legislation are now going to be thrown into uncertainty and turmoil on a giant scale. Thanks for disrupting the industry in a year where everyone could have made a quid and got on with life. In New South Wales, striking Delta SBD coal mine contract workers employed at South 32's Appen Mine in New South Wales are back on the job after winning pay rises ranging between 10000 to 24000 per year, as well as improved job security. The CFMEU have negotiated a 14.5% increase in their hourly rate, a 23% increase in bonus and a casual conversion clause that allows all employees to move to permanent employment after 12 months. In Queensland, Sunbus drivers have won a fight for a new EBA. The drivers credit their win to Solidarity and Transport Worker Union membership. The new EBA delivers the return of overtime penalties over the life of the agreement, 3% pay rise each year for three years, 25 days annual training, the ability to cash in unused sick leave provided they retain 152 hours in the bank. They became media stars on Facebook with the following call for solidarity. I'm striking for better wages and conditions. I'm out here to, to fight not just for my boys and my mates around me, but for these two here as well, my okay. family. I've been here 17 years. Pay is appalling. Conditions are appalling. We're standing up for We want better wages, better conditions and to be treated like human beings. And we're striking for better pay and conditions at Sunbus in Cairns. We want better wages and conditions than as down south. Support is great. We're all on board. We're making a difference. We're fighting for it and we're going to win. Bloody ripper having all these blokes here and we're going to win this battle. Very good. Very supporting. It's very good to see that. That we win. We, I only wish that more drivers had come out to keep on going out to work. It shouldn't be out working. They're going to get the same benefits as us, but they're going out driving when they shouldn't be driving. I wish the other guys that were out there that are, are driving, I wish they'd take heat and I hope they see this and they understand that what we're fighting for is family and your mates around you. The Electrical Trades Union has secured a major win for thousands of apprentices across Queensland in a milestone case heard before the full bench of the Fair Work Commission. The bench dismissed an appeal by All Trades Queensland that their agreement should be assessed against the defunct state award rather than the higher paying modern award for apprentices when conducting the better off overall test. The Maritime Union of Australian Northern Territory branch is demanding the head of Northern Territory WorkSafe be stood down after he failed, they said, to act properly over a spate of horrifying workplace accidents. From a wharf collapse and a boat collision to workers' injuries, some tragically resulting in death, 
NT WorkSafe continually fails to investigate thoroughly nor to prosecute, MUA Northern Territory Branch Secretary Thomas Smear said. The Northern Territory Government must appoint a strong regulator who will be harsh on employers who put profit before the lives of mothers, fathers, sons and daughters. NT WorkSafe even failed to act adequately when an entire stretch of a Hudson Creek wharf collapsed, endangering dozens of workers, the union said. The wharf clearly collapsed and we raised our concern with the structural integrity of the infrastructure, yet NT WorkSafe refused to inspect, condemn or modify the operational area, Mr Mayor said. NT WorkSafe wrote no penalties to the owner-operator of Shorelands, who also sits on the Northern Territory WorkSafe Advisory Board. You're on Stick Together with Annie McLaughlin, produced at 3CR Melbourne and distributed by the Community Radio Network, brought to you on your local community radio station. Automated debt collection being used by Centrelink is a debacle. That was the message from Dignity Not Debt Rally in Melbourne, beginning a fight back against federal government incompetent and some say malicious handling of its social security responsibilities. Let's hear from some of those affected. What's your story? How long have you been unemployed? Uh, about about a year now. Okay, and so what's your experience with Centrelink? Um, I had uh, probably more than a year now, I had a, actually had a debt notice, like what people um, are receiving at the moment, and um, it took me, it was like $3,000 or something, it took me like, I don't know if I've even paid it off now, I think I'm still paying it off, and I don't, I'd, at the time I didn't know that I could appeal it or... Um, Did you believe that you actually owed them that money? Yeah, because they were telling me that I did and I just trusted that that was the case. I didn't feel like that there was um, anything I could do about it, really. They just start taking it um, before you even know yourself. So um, even if you want to appeal, even if you start an appeal process, um, they've already, like, started taking the money before you can even do anything about it. There's all these different um, rules that they seem to change like every six months and it's really hard to um, keep on top of what you're supposed to do because they, they always you... tell you different things. So were you on Newstart? I was going back and forth between Newstart and or study because if you're not doing a certain amount of units uh, and you're not fulfilling certain requirements you have to be on new start so it's like sometimes you're shifting from casual work to study depending on your circumstances like sometimes you fall within the gap of the system I guess. Oh, so it's over complicated isn't it? Yes it's, it's actually really complicated you can spend hours and hours on the phone just trying to sort it out and you just kind of give up because you don't really know how to how to go about it. So you answered my question why you joined the Australian Unemployed Workers Union because there's safety in numbers really isn't it? Yes. Thanks very much. So you've called this uh, rally today tell us all about it. Well we're here to demand that the government end its uh, robo debt debacle where it's harassing social security recipients and it's been reported that 90% of those 
debt notices that are being sent out are, are fraudulent and illegal. And we just want to make it very clear to the government that we, we won't accept any continuation of this debt debacle. Social Security recipients aren't second-class citizens. They're not criminals, and the government has to stop treating them like criminals and actually start respecting their rights and dignity, which is what this rally is all about. Centrelink Class Action. So we're a group founded by our founder uh, about uh, two and a half weeks ago. Two and a half weeks ago on Facebook. We're a Facebook-orientated group. Within two weeks, we've got 1,500 members in support of our rally today, and that's where we are. Okay, so what, why, what led you to do this? I'm actually a Centrelink recipient myself. Uh, I was imposed with a $10,000 debt. We also have a member currently today that went to court. The police are pushing for a five-year jail sentence on a lady who is two months off giving birth to twins, and we just find it appalling that the government treat people this way. Okay, so what, what, you got your $10,000 debt. What are they saying about that? I've uh, launched a objection to it. Uh, that's currently in the process at the present time. I had a conversation yesterday with a Centrelink manager, Level 6 manager, who said to me in no uncertain terms that the system is wrong, the system has got things wrong, and approximately 80% sorry, of debts are actually not meant to be incurred. Uh, so what are they saying? You were overpaid? Correct. Over what period? Uh, 2010 to 2012. Right. Even though you would have been giving all your information and all the stuff that they wanted and all the rest of it? Correct. I was uh, putting in on a fortnightly basis on a Monday afternoon, actually, by 4pm. I had to make sure that I had my reporting in, which was stating my income. So then my, my obviously, my Centrelink benefit um, was changed week by week, depending on, or fortnight yeah, by fortnight, yeah, yeah. depending on what I was earning. That's right. And so what they've decided that you owe their money, even though you've been completely uh, explicit with what your earnings are. That's correct. That's 100% correct. So you're part of the uh, Facebook page as well? Yeah, I'm the founder of the group called Centrelink Class Action, yeah. Okay, and so it's 13 days old and you started from Nort membership and now? Yeah, well it started off with a, just a, a personal call out and it had over 700 shares and then we created a group called Centrelink Class Action which now has over 1,500 members. So that sort of happened in less than a week. What made you do that? Sheer frustration, uh, watching this constant attack on the poor. Um, it's just, I've just, sheer frustration. I'm not a victim, but I thought, this is just stupid. Why isn't there a class action? And then I found out from talking to colleagues and stuff that you can't, they won't do a class action unless, because uh, they're not allowed by law to canvas plaintiffs. So my idea was to gather everybody in one's place and then try and make it a bit more attractive to law firms, which we're still in the process of doing. So, Among the speakers was Rupert Evans from the CPSU, the union that uh, represents many of the workers at Centrelink, who was able to give an insight into what it's like for workers at Centrelink who are facing insecure work as well. A few members in Centrelink whose job is to work as hard as they can, treating people with dignity and respect, their fellow citizens, ensuring that they get the entitlements uh, that, that they uh, have by law, are seeing the human cost of this debacle, this public policy debacle. People are fearful, distressed, ashamed, and of course, angry. Now, our members are reporting back that they're very distressed by the distress caused to their fellow citizens. They're also acknowledging 
that those fellow citizens who are caught up in this robo-debt debacle acknowledge that it is not the fault of the Centrelink staff that they're dealing with. I'd like to acknowledge Owen and his support for calls for proper funding for this agency. Centrelink workers over the last five years have seen 5,000 of their colleagues lose their jobs. Which is of course symptomatic of this government's approach and attitude to public services, public servants and those of us that rely on the many public services that we all pay for. It is symptomatic of that approach. It is why millions, an appalling number, I think Owen said 36 million phone calls to Centrelink went unanswered in the last 12 months. It's just a disgraceful situation that uh, people are facing. I just want to point out one thing, and, and this is the reality of life on the front line, a couple of things, life on the front line um, working in Centrelink. Uh, the first is that your boss says to you, if you go and speak to anyone in the media or speak publicly about this, we will try and put you in jail. So the people who know what is going wrong, sorry, there's a bit of a flag. <laughs> the people who know what is going wrong, who have said what is going wrong to their bosses and who want to inform their fellow citizens about what is exactly going wrong with this, are threatened with criminal prosecution. Shame. Criminal prosecution Shame. in this country is disgraceful. And the second thing is, if these so-called debts were being reviewed by a human being, hundreds of thousands of them would not make it past the gate. This is the problem with a cheap algorithm. I don't know what an algorithm is. A computer program that cannot recognise that you put down that you work for Maya or Myers and the uh, tax notice that you're being checked against says Myers Emporium or Maya. One letter wrong and the computer won't recognise it. And then when you try and go to a Centrelink office to say, hang on, this is clearly you know, uh, a basic mistake, you get told you have to go and ring up on the phone which no one's answering because there aren't enough staff. That's exactly right. So, look, I'll wrap it up there because I've been asked to keep it short. Um, we stand in support of those affected by this appalling public policy debacle. Um, we acknowledge the hurt and distress that this is causing our fellow citizens and we, the Centrelink staff, as a representative of the Centrelink staff and members, uh, say to you, we will try our hardest we will try our hardest to help you through this mess created by this federal government. Thank you. Thanks for listening. You're listening to Stick Together, covering union news and social justice issues. The Rail, Tram and Bus Union in Victoria has decided that public means public when it comes to public transport. In a move that aims to turn the tide against public-private partnerships that shortchange us, the public... The RTBU launched a campaign to get public assets back earlier this month. 
Stick Together was there. G'day, I'm talking to Luba Gregoria, who's the uh, Victorian Brand Secretary of the RTBU. Can you tell me why you've called this meeting? Uh, we've called this meeting because we think de- we believe that Victorians deserve better. Um, currently, there's $350 million in profit that's being shipped overseas by foreign investors, and the government should bring public transport back into public hands. Okay, what would be the benefits to the public? The benefits to the public would be that that $350 million that has been generated in profit could be spent here on health, education or even fixing up our public transport. So why is it it's the union's issue? It's not just the union's issue, it's an issue for all members of the community. However, the union is driving this because the members, has, the members of the Rail, Tram and Bus Union have asked us to take up this fine. You're a progressive union? We're absolutely progressive. Good on you. Thanks very much. Thanks very much. Yeah. G'day. How are you? You're, you, you're a, uh, the women's officer, aren't you? Yes. For, yep. Can you tell me uh, why you think it's a good idea for the RTBU to be uh, following this, pursuing this? Yeah, well, I think that uh, Metro Trains has shown itself not to be particularly friendly employers, uh, but also clearly we know that the public doesn't get a particularly fair go of it uh, in public transport. So it's time for Metro to be out. Uh, and for the government to take over the railways. Public transport should be public. What are the benefits for workers? Uh, Well, you would hope that uh, getting rid of Metro, who have been very difficult to negotiate with, when we tried to take industrial action last year, they took us to court and tried to prevent us from having the right uh, to take strike action. I would think that getting rid of such an unfriendly employer would be beneficial for the workers in being able to have better rights, better safety uh, at work. And what about for the public? Uh, for the public, I think that we know that you know people pouring you know, millions of uh, public money into public transport and then that money all going into the coffers of private uh, industry, private business is a real problem. So I think public deserve uh, public transport that actually is decent and we know that Metro does skate station skipping, fudges the figures, does all kinds of things that means that people don't get a decent ride. Now the union membership has called for this, so are you happy to be part of such a progressive union? I'm very proud to be part of a left-wing union that takes a stand uh, on questions both of industrial significance and broader social significance. Last to bring us home we've got Phil Arteriri. Phil is the Tram and Bus Division Secretary. Please make him welcome. This is my 41st year in this industry. I started as a 19-year-old apprentice. I, I know a little bit about our tram system. So in the last four years, we've had 15 insulated trams on our system. 15. An insulated tram means the tram becomes live. The reason it becomes live is because this bloody company is not maintaining its track system. The earth of the tram is the wheels on the tracks. That's what makes it work. If you haven't got an earth, you have no power. Because they're not cleaning the tracks appropriately, that means the tram becomes live. That means a passenger, one of our members, unsuspecting, gets zapped with 600 volts. It can kill you. We've had two of our members zapped. One spent three months off work as a result of a zap from an insulated tram. We've had wheels fall off trams in Box Hill, ended up in a post office, a wheel of a tram. We've had track brakes come off trams and be lodged in the middle of the road. A track brake is an emergency brake for a tram. It falls off. We've had sections of track coming off, coming through the centre section of a 
tram, uh, the long trams with a concertina, and actually struck a woman passenger in the tram and, and injured her. You know, we've had a tram go through somebody's bedroom. But these incidents, I can tell you, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, you never heard about these incidents because they didn't happen. That's the truth. We'll talk about their service delivery. They're very clever how they manipulate the current contract. And yes, we've had discussions with the minister about that. And she says that, look, we've tightened that up and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be put right. But what they do, they short shunt trams routinely. The reason they short shunt trams is because they allocate inadequate journey time for trams, so they run late. Rather than pay the fine to run late to the end of the terminus, they turn them back, leaving passengers stranded two, three kilometres from where they want to go. The reason they don't allocate enough journey time is because they save on jobs. The less journey time you have for trams, the less people you need to run them. So they're saving a bucket, a bucket of money on jobs. But what are they delivering? A depleted service. They, don't, they steal trams from special events. Lots of services are required. I go to the footy all the time. In a big game at the MCG, passengers by the thousands are just left there waiting because instead of providing adequate services of special events, they take them off there and put them to run on the regular service, not to pay fines. They don't run city circle services uh, more frequently than occasionally. I also want to talk a little bit about the cost factor because it does come down to cost as well. The fact is that Yarra Trams, KDR, since 2009, have employed an additional 300 workers. When I say workers, I'm talking about managers and backroom people. The only frontline workers they've employed was the extra people they needed for the night network services, the all-night service, which is about 60-odd people. The rest of all those people are managers and backroom people that have added absolutely no value to our system at all. So there's many reasons why we've got a problem, notwithstanding the reason that our members are telling us what mongrels they are and how badly they are treated. It's much bigger than the members not liking them. That's part of it. But there's facts and reasons why they have to go. These, these activities did not occur when it was run by government. We need it back there. We need all your support. We need the public to get behind it. And I'm sure we'll get to where we want to get to. Thank you for your time and your support for our campaign and look forward to working with you to make it bigger and better. Thank you. stick together today. Thanks to you for listening. Thanks to people at the Dignity Not Debt Rally, Owen Bennett, Rupert Evans, Luba Grigorovich and Phil Arteria for talking to us. Stick Together is produced at 3CR Studios in Melbourne. It's broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. Podcasts are found at 3cr.org.au. You can contact producers of the show at sticktogether3cr at gmail.com 
or call 0394 My name's Annie McLaughlin. Catch you next time.